today on Mother Mayhem. You don't have to wrap yourselves up in your trauma and stay there until it feels better because sometimes it's actually not going to feel better until you get there and start living the life that's closer to your design and not the one that's defined by others' expectations of you. Welcome back to Mother Mayhem, the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Podcast for Daughters. Hi again, I'm your host, Heather Gray. And man, oh man, in recent weeks, have we been talking about some really heavy topics from the holidays to when your mothers gatekeep the relationships you have with important people in your lives. This has been really hard, heavy stuff. And I know these conversations are necessary. These are the conversations that are important and integral to healing. It's important that you know, though, that healing isn't just talking about your trauma. I've shared with you in earlier episodes how my mom died when I was six. And for a while there, I wrapped myself in that identity. I wore that motherless daughter label everywhere I went. It had a name. Hope Edelman wrote a book about it. And there were others like me. And for the longest time, I really did let that define me. Something that I needed to learn, though, and something that I want all of you to learn, and I really want you to take this in, is that you are not your trauma. You are not what happened to you, and you are not destined to be in this place for all of your lives. Trauma happens in the absence of a witness, and healing happens in the presence of one. I'm always, always going to want this show to be a witness for you. And I always want it to be something that gives you permission to let yourselves be seen by others. Once seen, once witnessed, and once you have seen some of this trauma through, it's important to think of healing as the first step of narcissistic abuse recovery. It may always take up space in your life, but it won't always have to take up a lot of space in your life. It's important that you all come to a place where you can really see and feel that this wasn't your fault, that your mother's emotional limitations weren't about you, and that there was nothing you could have done to prevent it. You had so many unmet needs as a child, and that has likely led to you not being entirely sure as to how to get your needs met as an adult. Healing isn't just about surviving. It isn't just about getting yourselves to a place where you aren't hypervigilant anymore. It's not just about getting you to be able to function. Healing is about living about building a life and an identity for yourselves outside of being daughters of narcissistic mothers. This will always be a truth in your life, and it will always be a part of what makes you who you are, but it won't be the only thing. Today is about building a life after narcissistic trauma. Many of you have written into the show and you've talked about how this show has been a lightning rod for you. 
you finally make sense to yourselves and you finally understand your experiences. I bet for a lot of you, there was this tendency to binge on these episodes, to just want to lap them up as you finally felt seen and understood. And that makes so much sense to me. And I am so proud that I have created a vehicle that's empowered that kind of self-awareness and understanding. Now, I want to give you permission to exist outside of your trauma, to not have that be the only thing about yourselves that you think about. After all, you are not just daughters, your spouses, partners, and girlfriends, your mothers, best friends, your community members, valued employees, and business owners, your athletes, cooks, crafters, hikers, photographers, writers, and a whole host of other descriptors. You were not just the daughter of a narcissistic mother. You're so much more, and we want to water and nurture all those other parts of you in your life too, so that they can grow and take up more space and fill some of the empty places in your life and heart. That is what today's show is about. So when I talk to you about building a life outside of your trauma, as a reminder, and I really want to be crystal clear here, this is not a message that says it's time to get over it. We're 20-some-eyed episodes in, and you should be done now. This is not to say move along now. Please simply hear this as permission to put it down for a bit so that other parts of you can grow. When I walk daughters through this process, I start with some big picture thinking. And I think you've heard me talk about this on the show before. If you were already the woman you wanted to be and the life, love, and work you wanted to have, what would that life look like? And how would you want to be moving through the world? That's a big question, and I will for sure be putting that question into the show notes for your reference. If you were already the woman you wanted to be and the life, love, and work you wanted to have, what would that life look like, and how would you want to be moving through the world? This is a single question, but my guess is it will take several journaling sessions, long walks, or meditations to work your way through it. I know for myself, my answers tend to change and shift depending on where I'm at in my life. You don't have to have all of the details mapped out, but you do want a clear enough picture that is gonna help you with the next part. Because once you get clear on the life, love, and work you wanna have and who you wanna be, you then use that picture as a daily way to check in with yourself. So in the mornings, as you're starting your day or thinking about the hours ahead, we want you thinking about this picture. What choices in your day do you need to make that get you closer to that picture? Then during the day, in moments of indecision, or when you feel in your body that you were reacting to something, you ask yourselves, if I was already the woman I wanted to be and the life, love, and work I wanted to have, 
What would I be deciding in this moment? And then you choose accordingly. Getting present and clear in your thinking during decision-making moments can be really hard for trauma survivors. Your body memories are wired toward fight, flight, and freeze. You're focused on the person, on what they might be thinking or feeling. And you're programmed at this point to choose the people-pleasing response. It's so wired in you that sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. People-pleasing and that path of least resistance might be your automatic habit. So you may have to come to think that's how you see things or what you really want. Choosing what you want in the moment is always going to be really hard. If you can do it, great. But that's the frame for doing it. However, we also have this thing in life that you daughters seem to rarely allow yourselves, and that's the do-over. We can take back yeses, and we can turn them into noes. We can ask for more time. We can return to a conversation and try again. This is why, at the end of each day, I encourage you to do this same process with yourselves as you look back on your day. Take the time at the end of the day as you're washing your face or brushing your teeth to think about how your day went. When you think about how you spent your time, who you spent it with, and the decisions you made during the day, ask yourselves, as I went through my day, did I make choices that are consistent with who I wanna be, how I wanna move through the world, and what I want my life, love, and work to look like? Or did I move further away from that picture? So if you look at the end of the day and you see that you made a commitment you shouldn't have, that you spent too much time on your phones, that you spent too much money on something, that you dodged an argument with conflict avoidance or something else, you want to make a note of it. Pause before going to bed and pull out your calendar. Schedule in the next week when you're going to go back and fix it. Allow yourselves the gift of the do-over. I really do see this as a gift. Gift makes it sound so warm and fuzzy though, right? It's a hug. I do think of it as a hug. One that says it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to be an inconvenience. It's okay to make a mistake. You can picture yourselves holding the hands of your inner child, walking her back to her mistake, and allowing her to apologize and take the do-over. There is so much grace in that. However, as you've probably sensed, this is also an accountability exercise. You are holding yourselves accountable to what happens next in your life. You have decided who you want to be, and how you want to move through the world. You have decided the life, love, and work you want to have, and it is up to you, my friends, to go and get it. So many people have the story that they have to heal first, that they have to, quote-unquote, can you see the air quotes here, do the work first. But I promise you that doing the work does not mean having to wait for the rest of your life to begin. Healing is not purgatory. It is not punishment. You are not doing time, my friends. 
You don't have to wrap yourselves up in your trauma and stay there until it feels better because sometimes it's actually not going to feel better until you get there and start living the life that's closer to your design and not the one that's defined by others' expectations of you. I'm going to repeat that. I'm going to go with this, friends. Okay. Sometimes it is not going to feel better until you get out there and start living the life that is closer to your design and not the one that's been defined by others' expectations of you. Trauma recovery is about finding a new normal, not putting your life on hold until you're completely healed. For me, that's one of the ways I define doing the work. I think doing the work gets romanticized sometimes, hence the air quotes and maybe even a little bit of a sarcastic eye roll while I'm at it. Because sometimes doing the work (laughs) is actually tossing your kids lunch money because you want to shave your legs and want more time in the shower more than you want to make them lunches. I call this episode Building Your Life After Narcissistic Trauma. And I went back and forth on that because I think the phrase is so daunting, but it's also what it feels like. After we make the vision and we get used to asking ourselves the important questions of who we want to be, etc., and all of that, what do we do next? Where do we begin? This is where I prefer not to reinvent the wheel. So I ask myself, when I feel my best, what does my life look like? I can prattle it off easily, but there have been times when I couldn't because I was building my tool chest. I imagine many of you listening won't be able to prattle it off right away because you're still building your toolkits. But here's what I can tell you. When I am in regular and consistent contact with my people, both with silly banter and meaningful conversations, I am closer to being my best self. When I get to play with my camera and work on my close-up photography, when I'm doing strength training workouts regularly and I'm following Weight Watchers five days a week, when I spend time intentionally with my husband, we celebrated 20 years together this past week, and I worry that we become the old people at the restaurants who have nothing to say to one another. (laughs) So I've been working on choosing activities for us that are intentional and new and engaging so we don't get bored with ourselves when we're only 47. When I wear clothes I'm confident in, when I smell nice, and P.S. if anyone has a good citrus perfume recommendation, I am on the hunt. I was a Joe Malone loyalist, but the pricing on her stuff is starting to feel more like punishment than self-care. I feel like my best self when I'm seeking joy in the content that I'm consuming. And this list is longer, but I think you get the picture. We all know when we have been our best, if only for a weekend. And when pressed, we can often look at what was present at that time, what we did to help ourselves feel so good. So we make a list of those things. What things on your list have you been neglecting, pushing off, or not allowing yourselves to have, do, or have access to? And then start allowing yourselves to have those things. Again, this is a place of self-care, but it's also another accountability exercise. 
that works for me because I think part of self-care is actually being accountable to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to allow ourselves regular and consistent access to things that help us be our best versions of ourselves. Now, if that sounds like a Mel Robbins post you may have recently seen, I'm happy to send a nod her way, but it's also been a favorite tool of mine for years, so I hope you'll allow both of us to share the credit on that one. Next up, though, I want to encourage you to think about the climate of your life. Sometimes the climate of your life might feel too much or too overwhelming. That's okay. You can break it down if you need to and look at the climate of your relationship with yourself, with other people, or with your work, or with your hobbies, or with something else. When you look at the climate, the big picture, the overarching story, is it mostly good and does it mostly feel good? When you do have a weather event or a storm, are they frequent and intense? Are they just a passing shower that blows over? When rebuilding your life and considering your life after healing, those weather events are good places to start to focus your attention. Oftentimes, these are the storms that are the things that you need to say no to more often. These are the things that don't work for you anymore, and these are the things that need to shift, move, or take up less space. Those are the things that are getting in the way of the life, love, and work you want to have. All of you healing from trauma have these really big tasks before you. You have memories you need to work through. You have to get yourselves out of fight, flight, or freeze. You have to set boundaries. You may be putting yourselves into really hard conversations that you've otherwise been avoiding. There is a lot of work to do, and that work can feel like it is taking up this big honking space in your life. To combat that, I used to have this thing called look for the green lights. The idea is we always notice the red lights. I did a podcast episode on this in my first podcast life. I will link to that in the show notes, even though I kind of shake my head at the idea of doing so. But the idea is, is that we always notice red lights when we have to stop, when we can't move forward, or when there are obstacles in our way. But how often do we take moments to appreciate the green lights when we can just sail on through, especially, oh my God, in California? All of you in California, you know I'm right on this, right? Because red lights take fucking forever. It has been six years since we moved here from Boston, and I still cannot get over how long the lights are. I can listen to full songs. <laughs> And I have come up with so many mind games to calm my irritation when I'm out of light or worse, when I hit every freaking light on my way somewhere. But now green lights are my most favorite thing. I work hard to notice and say thank you to every single green light I see when I'm going places. I try to tune into that really quick moment where the transportation universe decided that I didn't have to stop and wait to have a turn. These days in the social media space, you're going to hear people call them, look for the glimmers. Same thing. Glimmers, green lights, we're all saying the same thing here. The little things that bring us sparks of joy or moments of respite when I tell you 
that being someone who collects green lights, who seeks them out, who values them, has changed my life. I'm really not joking, and I'm not over-exaggerating. I'm a therapist, so it's all going to sound very strange when I'm about to say next. <laughs> but I hate journaling. I hate it. I'm not even one for gratitude journals. I kind of hate those more. <laughs> I only do yoga when I've pulled a muscle. I deep breathe when I'm doing my strength workouts or when I feel that my body needs one. But otherwise, the only time I am deep breathing is when I'm in session with someone or when I'm on the show running through them for all of you. And massage and body work has never really been my thing either. I would much prefer getting a facial. All of this so-called traditional stuff that's all lotus leaves and all of that that's passed around in these healing spaces as tools for healing, they're not my tools for healing. I respect them as other people's tools, but I am a green light and glimmer girl through and through. Your glimmers don't have to be my glimmers. They probably shouldn't be. Once you see my list, you'll hear why. <laughs> They likely aren't going to be your glimmers, but you have to find your glimmers. You have to find your sparks, your joy, your lights, and you have to know how to access them. And you have to learn how to give yourselves permission to start seeking them out and accessing them on the regular. It's how you can keep the light coming in the really dark moments. And the more you see the light, the more you seek it, the more you train your brains to seek it too. Many of you have brains wired for protection. You're scanning for risk and threat. You're hypervigilant to even the slightest changes in the environment, in someone's facial expression, or in someone's mood. A way to combat this is to start playing around and finding the things in your life that are your glimmers and your green lights. One of the first ways I remember doing this was back in college. I had this book, A Thousand and One Things to Be Happy About. Anytime I thought of something of my own, my own little happy thing, I would add it to the margins of the book. I used to be friends back then with a woman, Rosemary. She had the best laugh on the planet. And to this day, I, I say she's had the best laugh on the, on the planet of anyone I've ever heard. So Rosemary's laugh still sits in the margins of that book. But you have to make your own lists. If you have kids, friends, husbands, I really encourage you to get them in on this too, to create this as an open exercise, sharing it with your people, creating energy around it. So you start asking people what their green lights are, what their glimmers are. Start shouting out when your green lights or your glimmers appear. Tell someone. Now, I love, love, love the show Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso for sure is one of my glimmers. But also, man, I love me some Hannah Waddingham. She's in the show. Her voice. If you have not heard her sing, she's incredible. She's about to do this holiday special. And just the fact that I know that she's going to be doing it is already a glimmer. And when I actually get to see the show, I know for sure it's going to be a glimmer day for me. But the other day, a clip appeared of her and Jason Sudeikis singing Shallow together, the song from the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga movie. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes too for your viewing pleasure. 
but I watched that clip of the two of them like a handful of times, but then my friend sent it to me. Her knowing that I was going to love it made it an even bigger glimmer. It made my day. And when I think about it, I feel seen, I feel known, I feel understood. That's the power this exercise can have in your life. So I'm going to go first. I don't mind saying that this is vulnerable for me. I worry that you're probably all going to take me a little less seriously, that I'm going to appear too childlike. I've definitely been accused of seeming childlike when I talk about this exercise or when I share my joy for it. And being childlike is now something that I get unapologetic as fuck about. And I don't worry as much about it anymore. I do worry that you won't take me seriously or you'll think I'm silly. But this is also an exercise for all of us to be more childlike. Because as daughters of narcissistic mothers, that was the last thing you were allowed to be. You weren't allowed to be kids. This exercise is actually about allowing you to learn how to experience joy and happiness in your lives. As adults, we're not always given permission to be childlike. I got defensive about it the first time I was called childlike, but it allowed me to really think it through. And now it allows me to teach you how to do this in real time. What a cool thing to have happen as a result of kind of taking an, an insult that somebody really close to me said to me when I was talking about this and turning it into, dare I say, a glimmer or a piece of light. So yes, I totally worry that I'm going to name something that one of you can't stand or more of you can't stand and that as a result, you might like me a little bit less. And I say this to you because that is how tuning into joy feels. It's vulnerable. It's why so many people are walled off and guarded off. Once we start to say we like something, we run the risk of it going away. Once we tell someone we love them, we might not hear it back. Once we decide to show up for ourselves, our lives or our people may not show up for us back. That fear is what keeps so many of us stuck. We worry about being rejected. We worry about leaning into something we can lose. I see this with my dog. Now I have this dog and I have to tell you, he is a gigantic pain in my ass. He's fearful. He's anxious. He's reactive. He requires all kinds of special attention, so much so that at one point I gave him his own Instagram page. <laughs> He's bitten two people. He's on anxiety medication. He requires special training and he limits a lot of our lives. I love him and there's all of that for me. My husband though, <laughs> Riley is his soulmate animal. I stopped short at saying he's his soulmate because I don't want to offend myself, but it's probably a toss-up between me and the dog most days. <laughs> he lights up my whole husband's life, his whole world. It fills our house with the sound of my husband's laughter and his delight. And I have found my husband crying alone in a room because he fears Riley dying. 
And Riley, my friends, is only two and a half years old. He fears loving something so much that loving him is going to cost him that much. And I bet you all relate to that. And I bet that that's coming up for you as I talk about looking for glimmers and life. Because many of you have gotten through life by not getting attached to good things, by assuming they go away, and by never letting them be yours. And I'm going to tell you what I tell my husband. Protecting yourself from pain keeps out the joy. And there is no such thing as if I don't let myself love something or love someone, it'll hurt less when it's gone. Never in the history of that defense mechanism has that been proven to be true. It hurts the same, so we might as well let in all the light we can and hold on to it with all of our might while we have it. So, in the spirit of that, here goes my list. And I hope, honestly, someday, some way, we have our own online community at some point that lets us share our glimmers with each other in real time. But for now, I'm going to have Clark, my handy podcast editor, and also my social media person, <laughs> and your friend too from the show. She's going to make an Instagram post that's going to encourage all of you to start listing your glimmers over there on Instagram. So for those of you who don't follow me, you can follow me over on Instagram at daughtersnpd. Here are some of my glimmers in no particular order. Country music, story songs, and their lyrics. And so many of my glimmers are music and talent related. My workouts. I love getting on Voxer with a friend. A lot of you are into WhatsApp and a lot of people tell me it's the same thing. But Voxer is a walkie-talkie and a text-based app. It allows me to talk back and forth with my friends doesn't always have to be in real time. We can leave voicemails to one another. Clark and I are on it together on the regular. I hate FaceTime. I hate it. But I love chatting over Voxer. Good thing I'm a podcast host, huh? Taking pictures with my iPhone. Right now, I bought one of those quickie iPhone photography courses, and I'm learning really cool tips and tricks. I usually use phones until they die. And so it was a really big deal for me recently when I let myself get the new iPhone with the really new cool camera, even though my phone was working perfectly fine. I also used to be a person who kept this single silicone camera case on her phone. And unless it ripped, that was my case until the phone died. I've now been playing with the idea that cases can be accessories. <laughs> and can change depending on my mood. I have my fourth one coming in the mail today. So, hi, my name is Heather, and I may have a cell phone case problem. Coffee. I'm obsessed with coffee. Good dark roast coffee with a caramelly descriptor. I give or take on the lattes, but a perfect cup of coffee, espresso, or iced espresso, mm, damn. I have a fancy schmancy coffee pot that I told my husband not to get me, and I am always really glad he didn't listen to me. I went to Europe for the first time this summer and went to the most perfect quintessential cafe. The baristas had shirts, ties, aprons, and served me espresso like it was an art form. And I swoon even now thinking about it. And I think about that cafe and those baristas once a week, 
even though it's been over a month since I got back. I'm a bit of a bed snob. I want the most perfect pillow, the best sheets, and I love, love, love right now when the nights start getting cooler and I can have two quilts on the bed and be weighed down by them. I can't do the whole weighted blanket thing, but that might actually be something that works as a glimmer for some of you. Weighted blankets are really good for people who need help calming their nervous systems. For me, I can't move. It doesn't work as well. I like when I take the time to clean my car and get the dog hair out of it, and I like having my car washed. I am obsessed with my Spotify playlist and all of my playlists. I have more than one Spotify playlist. Now I'm getting into this thing that it has. It's an AI DJ, so artificial intelligence DJ, a fake DJ that says, hey, Heather, it's your DJ X. I think he calls himself X. It's so silly, but I lost my mind one Friday when the thing said to me, now for some of your usual Friday vibes, and it started playing songs from my Choose Happy playlist because it was freaking right. My AI DJ actually knew that I listened to my positive playlist when I'm out and about and running errands on Fridays. That was a glimmer, and it made me so stinking happy. My husband and I, we watch Jeopardy every night. I only ever know about 20% of the answers if I'm lucky, and I don't care, but I get super, super attached to the contestants when they start racking up these consecutive wins. I feel for them, though, because once I start liking them, that's usually when they meet their demise <laughs> and get booted off. I already mentioned Ted Lasso. That's right up there with the TV show Shrinking, Great British Bake Off, Great Pottery Throwdown, I'll Have What Phil's Having, Somebody Feed Phil. All of these shows are these warm hugs of comfort when I'm sad or when I'm just needing company. So I go back and I watch episodes again and I let my TV keep me company. And again, just like all the other stuff, unapologetic as fuck about it, my friends. I can go down rabbit holes of watching clips of the talent show auditions on YouTube. I think I already confessed that one to you in another episode. I absolutely positively love the moment when I get to see someone's dream coming true in real time. I watch when I really need a boost or a nudge, and even though I've seen it a thousand times, it still lifts me when I need one. I can do the same thing with clips from Friday Night Lights, the TV show, not the movie, or the show West Wing. Now, Clark and I, we also have this thing for watching acrylic pour videos. If any of you have seen fluid art, that's the phrase you could look for. She's even done them herself, so she has a couple on me with that. But I love going to maker's markets and seeing people's creativity, what they care about, and what they give a shit about. It's good to say when you see something, when you figure out something, write it down, celebrate it, share it, tell someone. I share my reviews and the love notes that you've all been writing to me with my people. I keep them all in what I call an at-a-girl folder. <laughs> oh man, it's hard not to be self-conscious when I'm doing this, but I am doing this as an exercise because I want you doing this with your people and you people are starting to become my people. When I have a shit day at work and when I wasn't my best self or when I'm hurting, I always go back to this at-a-girl folder now, and it cheers me up. 
You can always add, by the way, to my Add a Girl folder by taking the time to leave a review in your podcast app. Hint, hint, hint. I read every single one of them and I send them to Clark too because she's instrumental in making the show happen and keeping me in the light and the love that this show has been so that I don't get weighed down by the menial logistical tasks like editing out all of my ums like she so loyally does for me. And I do this because before this year, I was failing and I was failing hard. I wanted to find a way that I could create an impact in this world, to share my ideas, to connect in a larger way. Nothing I did was working. And I had no idea what would happen when I pressed record, but I promise you <laughs> that I was mostly thinking it was only going to be me and Clark that were listening in. All of that failing was so public. My husband knew about it. My family knew about it. My friends knew it. Everyone knew I had failed. So now that I'm starting to find my swing, now that I have a full private practice, I'm giving myself permission to share that too. And I get really excited when I see in my podcast app that a listener from a new country that I haven't seen on the list before has started to listen to my show. South Korea, you all popped up this week in my podcast app. So hello and greetings, South Korea. Never in a million freaking years did I think I would ever be talking to someone in South Korea. And it is magic to me that I get to. We have to put stamps, my friends, on what is good. We can build more of a positive, good, healthy climate for ourselves when we start building and allowing more good things around us, when we share our good things with others and we let other people share their good things with us too. There is so much more than what I've talked about today that goes into rebuilding your life. But I think the conversation today, if I've done it right for all of you, and I really hope I've done right by you in this conversation, I'm hopefully offering you the steps and a frame. You're starting to get clear on who you want to be, what you want your life, love, and work to look like. You're moving in the direction that gets you closer to your life through your decision-making process, and you're starting to watch how you are making your decisions. You're making the list of things that exist when you're feeling your best. You're checking it twice. <laughs> you're making sure that you're allowing yourself those things regularly and consistently. You're building a habit of seeking the light. Call them glimmers, call them green lights, whatever works for you, but build a habit of seeing them, naming them, and celebrating them. It is your best and easiest chance you have of starting to feel good things again, of starting to feel more than your trauma, and to start seeing yourself as more than a trauma survivor. You have to value your journey. Respect it. Thank yourselves for choosing to heal. Take pride in the parts that you've built that you love. Embrace being the work in progress, but more importantly, much more importantly, embrace your progress. All of you are in this together. 
a community of women around the world healing together. I really do hope you'll find us over on Instagram, that you'll start sharing your glimmers, and I already am looking forward to seeing them. I know they're going to become my own glimmers too. Leave the journal suggestions from today's episode for you in the show notes. Thank you so very much for today and for all the days before and all the days to come. All of you are in it together and I am in it with you too. Bye for now. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're right where you're supposed to be. At its heart, I'm hoping to use this show to build the community of women working together to heal from childhoods marked by maternal narcissism and emotional neglect. My goal for Mother Mayhem is that this show becomes an advice and mentoring-driven show where you share your questions, struggles, and stories, and I offer you direction for healing and recovery. That can't happen without your contributions. I invite you to send a recorded voice memo or write in an email with your questions and things you're struggling with. You can always find me over at heather at daughtersnpd.com. To connect further, I invite you to find me over at Instagram and occasionally on TikTok at DaughtersNPD. If you know another woman who needs this conversation in her life, I'm going to ask that you share the show with her. You can help me get the word out with your reviews and social shares of the show, and I hope you'll consider doing so. Special thanks to Heather Clark for editing this show. She's in my head and knows what I meant to say when the words come out backwards. Thanks for your time today. I'm always in it with you. Bye for now.